What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Wrestling with Johnners. This is episode 151. Yes, 151. And uh, if you haven't already caught it, go back and check out our celebratory 150th episode, our exclusive interview with the Ring of Honor, the 2019 Top Prospect Tournament winner, Dak Draper. So that's a really, really good listen. Or go and watch it on YouTube where you've got the, the full kind of video uh, YouTube interaction there with lots of added extras thrown into the video. But uh, go and check that out. But uh, uh, just want to introduce our, our guest. We've had him on the podcast many times before. A good friend of the show good friend of mine uh john scott so uh john from uh, powered for tv how you doing my friend uh good to have you back yeah great to be here and uh congratulations on your 150th uh episode very recently a great listen as well recommend that to anybody that hasn't listened but uh yeah it's good to be back obviously i'm becoming a bit of a I don't know like a normal nostalgic <laughs> thing i think on your show for, especially for, like, i'm glad i've got the takeover um, yeah. this weekend because I was really looking forward to this and uh, diving into the, to this review. I was quite uh, I was quite sort of very excited going into this one. I haven't been that excited or infused for a, a pay-per-view kind of event from WWE for a little while now. Uh, so it was good to uh, good to go in that with uh, with that behind us. And uh, as you say, I don't think I was I don't think I was I could announce the name last time I was here of who, where we are now at Powered For. And of course, yourself, you're going to be a big part of that as well with our YouTube going forward. So That's uh, right. yeah, stuff's moving very, very fast. And of course, September is only around the corner. So uh, all good. Yeah. I mean, we, we'll get stuck into TakeOver 30 very soon, John. But let, let, let's stick with Powered For TV a little bit, if that's okay. I mean, yeah. last time you were on, I think it was... Uh, uh, another takeover, wasn't it? The previous NXT takeover. I can't remember what the what the strap of that was, but uh, um, you weren't able to announce uh, much about Powered for TV. Now it's kind of out there. The logos out there, the names out there. Things are changing. Things are picking up. Is there anything that you can tell us about Powered for TV and what uh, what can viewers or subscribers to Powered for TV uh, come to expect from Powered for going forward and in the future? Yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, I mean there is a lot going on obviously uh turnbuckle tv will be transitioning um over to us so anything that you know was there on turnbuckle tv um you know our flagship show of course tnt the promotion um who have got some amazing stuff coming up especially in the new year they've just announced as well their own wrestling school that's also going to be a part of powered for and um, MMA. So for MMA fans, you know, you might not be maybe a purist wrestling fan or you may be a wrestling fan that likes to check out some MMA. You're going to have that option with us now. And I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that myself because I think that what I want to do with Powered 4 is give as much variety as possible. And of course, mixed martial art, it does have that nice crossover. Uh, we've seen it in the last, I don't know, 20 years of Ronda Rousey or Brock Lesnar or Ken Shamrock going way back. But we know there's always been that nice crossover. And it does. Sometimes when wrestling gets too much, you can just flick it over and, and get a different taste for something else. Um, and, yeah, on top of that, of course, we've got like another 15 promotions at least that are going to be on the subscribers side. Um, and, you know, um, I've very recently been going through a lot of the archive of the stuff and the footage and there's so much good quality that I don't think people quite realise that's out there. Um, I want to give a shout out to Clash. I mean, that they don't run anymore, but the shows that they did do, the production level, uh, give a give a shout out to CJ Carter there. He is an amazing, amazing editor and he's done some 
very exciting stuff. And what's cool is he's now going to have a new promotion called Ignite that is also going to be a part of us as well. And, um, yeah, so we've got all those promotions. And, uh, of course, it is a, a video on demand service, but it's, it's a little bit more as well. The fact that you and I are going to be on there. Uh, we've got Jess as well. We've got Stu from Stu Podcasts. So we have video on demand, but we also have uh, a built-in media team. So we're going to be covering um, a whole lot of things, obviously, to promote the shows on there. But but also just to kind of promote British wrestling in general. That's kind of the idea, to do as much media as we can. Um, of course, yourself, you're going to be um, a, a big host on YouTube. And, of course, uh, I suppose we can announce it now, give you a little exclusive on, on the John. Oh, come on, John. Come on, John. <laughs> and, of course, it, it rolls in very nicely with the news I woke up to this morning with the video plan, of course, NXT UK, which is uh, scheduled to be coming back anytime now to do some recordings and we'll be back for September. Um, and uh, you and I and uh, Jess as well, we're going to be doing our very own NXT UK weekly show uh, available on YouTube, which I'm kind of really looking forward to. I know that um, the market in terms of, of what's, what's out there at the moment, you know, there isn't a whole lot with NXT UK. There wasn't certainly before COVID either. Um, so I'm kind of, I want to give a little bit of light to the NXT UK. I don't think it gets as much publicity as what it, you know, should be getting. I think when yeah. they first announced NXT UK was going to be a thing, I think there was this huge buzz of what could this bring to the British wrestling scene. And, uh, yeah, I think it's, it, it's kind of one of those things where I, I think a lot of fans are a little bit skeptical because it is sort of WWE umbrella. Um, but at the same time, we have to remember that to have a developmental, you know, in this country for wrestlers to go to, like that kind of you've always got to go across the pond scenario is now not a thing. You know, we're, we're fortunate enough where the talent, uh, not just wrestlers, but even, you know, people in the backstage can now get access straight in this country, which I think is a big, big thing. And so, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to, to doing that weekly show with yourself. And uh, I think we're going to have a blast doing it. And, uh, of course, that will be available as soon as NXT UK starts uh, starts back again. Well, that's it. And uh, I was going to bring this up a bit later. We might as well talk about it now because yeah. um, we are going to be doing our weekly NXT UK review shows as part of Power 4 TV on the YouTube channel. It may be going on the on the main site as well. But, uh, I mean, th they did run an advert towards the end of TakeOver last night or early hours this morning, depending on where in the world you're watching it. And, uh, you know, it was quite interesting. It was only about a two-minute package. But a few things I noticed. Some of, the, some of the faces, some of the names that cropped up during that NXT UK return kind of advert, you had obviously the NXT UK champion walter eddie dennis was on there a kid trent seven briefly popped up piper niven kaylee ray and Ilya dragunov um you also saw little snippets of flash morgan webster Ginny, mark andrews dave mastiff zaya brookside and uh, i think it's Aya, Aya valkyrie uh, popped up so a lot of uh familiar and a lot of uh, not so familiar faces popping up, which makes you think that there were some notable absences that were kind of a key staple to the NXT UK roster. We won't get into all of that, but there could be reasons why certain faces weren't part of that and reasons why certain part people won't be part of the NXT UK 
package or product going forward. One interesting thing that I really picked up on, though, during that advert was uh, there was a little bit of a, a voiceover clip, a little bit of a soundbite saying that from the BT Sports Studio in the heart of London. So it sounds like like the American version of Black and uh, Gold brands of NXT over in Florida, where they've got full sailors there permanent base their permanent home um nxt uk is going to have their permanent home as well from the bt sports studios so uh, quite interesting they're not going to be doing uh tapings around the country like they did uh in essex or in liverpool or brighton or hull or wherever they used to kind of go to in the download festival they're going to do it be doing it from a permanent base now and uh, from uh, the first show goes live on the 17th of september that's obviously going to be recorded in the next couple of weeks but a couple of interesting takeaways from that advert john yeah it was um and I, you know i think you know it makes sense to be uh, stationed in one location at this current time of course with the whole covid 19 situation and True. of course not knowing when fans are you know relatively going to be back and even if they are what capacity will that be at um we already know that nxt uk they you know they weren't sort of drawing huge thousands upon thousands on yeah. just the weekly shows anyway so um, I, I think it, it, in the long run, this might actually work out beneficial for them to sort of have almost like a little bit of a territory staple because I don't think they really had that um, when they first, you know, I remember when they did the first couple of UK schools, Blackpool was a big focal point because of the, the tournament they had. And then, of course, they did the Royal Albert Hall, which, you know, I was there for. But, you know, I remember the first night didn't sell fantastically well. Um, until they had the sort of other NXT guys in from the, the US. So I think they're trying to, I think if they had it their way, I think London would be the, the ideal location anyway, because, you know, it's the capital, a lot of stuff happens. Of course, wrestling, you know, it, it, it's always been great. You know, you talk about venues like York Hall. I'd, I'd love to see an NXT UK there as well um, to, to someday get that themselves. And I think that, you know, it, it makes sense at this point, as you say about the, the current talent that they showcased in that video, I think they were very specific. I don't think that was, uh, you know, I don't think no. that was by, uh, by chance. Um, and, and I would imagine that perhaps in this time they will, they, they might have reflected on where they've come from thus far and, uh, you know, looked at what's worked, what's not worked. And, you know, you never know, they may actually... I, I actually believe personally we may see a very different style um, going forward, like whether that be in the production, whether that's how they present it in the ring. But I do think we're going to get a different presentation when they, they finally come back. And I think with this gap in between, obviously in the US, they haven't been able to do this. They've just been literally flooding the whole video content archive like week to week with us. We've kind of, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, we've got this nice gap where I think it can give a lot of good time to reflect and put in something new. So I think that might yeah. benefit NXT UK quite a bit there. I think there'll be a little bit of a niche for it. Yeah, definitely exciting times. And by the sounds of it, like I say, certainly for the foreseeable future, it's going to be behind closed doors. And of course, being London, that's where they've got their uh, WWUK Performance Centre, of course. So it all makes sense for it all to be in the same area. Uh, so uh, exciting things. And, and less than a month away from the first broadcast of the, the kind of the the kind of next uh, chapter, shall we say, of NXT yep. UK. And of course, it will be covered on a weekly basis here uh, on, on Powered 4 TV, of course, with uh, myself and John and Jess. Uh, so looking forward to that. 
Our friends over at Hope Spot Clothing are offering listeners to the Wrestling With Jollas podcast 10% discount off of all of their t-shirts and merchandise. Simply use the code WWJPOD. That's WWJPOD. Hope Spot Clothing are a charity label with over 50% of all profits going to a variety of good causes. Go to their website www.hopespotcc.com. That's hopespotcc.com. And take advantage of their great discount now. Uh, okay, John, just a, a bit of a cheap plug from me then, uh, off the back of uh, NXT UK. Uh, one thing that um, I've always prided myself on is kind of uh, being able to provide something for the listeners and for the fans of Wrestling with John's uh, podcast. And um, I, I just uh, would like to kind of announce the launch of a brand new merchandise store for Wrestling with John's. We uh, officially have our own merchandise uh, store on Pro Wrestling Tees. So if you want to kind of uh, grab yourself a Wrestling with John's podcast and some brand new designs up there as well, one of which was from. Uh, uh, Rich Howes, who we had uh, on the Wrestling Jonas podcast a few weeks back, and he's designed for Cody Rhodes, The Bullet Club, New Japan, and Killer Cross, or Carrion Cross, we should uh, call him by nowadays. Uh, but he's designed for so many kind of international uh, wrestling uh, superstars around the world. And now he's designed a t shirt for Wrestling Jonas. So go and check out that along with uh, other Wrestling Jonas t shirts at prowrestlingtees.com forward slash wrestling with Jonas. So uh, I'll be putting out the link on the various social pages fairly soon, but I just wanted to get that out there. A bit of a cheap plug and uh, something I'm quite proud of. So go and check that out over on the Wrestling with John's page on Pro Wrestling Tees. So, uh, John, uh, the, the 30th edition of TakeOver, NXT TakeOver. So I think we can probably agree kind of wholeheartedly there's, there's not been a single bad TakeOver, to be honest with you. I, I certainly can't remember a TakeOver. And I think there was a period between 2016 and 2018 where every single TakeOver seemed to top the one before it. It just seemed to get better and better and better. And even kind of some of the, dare I say it, poorer ones have still been top-notch, still been absolutely fantastic. Fantastic. And when you kind of put all these the 29 or 30 takeovers together, it's an, it's an amazing collection um, of consecutive fantastic pay-per-view style uh, cards from NXT um, that would kind of equal or rival any promotion in the world. I mean, people kind of wax, wax lyrical about New Japan and all the fantastic pay-per-views and shows. But, uh, you know, NXT, with, with what they've been able to pump out over the last, what, six or seven years of takeovers has been fantastic. And this one, uh, I'm sure, will be no different. But, um Going into last night's TakeOver, TakeOver 30, it was from Full Sail. They've been uh, recording quite a lot from the PC, uh, but certainly not from the Thunderdome, John. A lot of thing, a lot of people, a lot of NXT fans were a bit disappointed it wasn't going to be from the Thunderdome. But back in their traditional base of Full Sail, what were your kind of thoughts and uh, expectations? Any matches uh, that kind of jumped off the page before we talk about any of the matches, but any, anything you were particularly excited or looking forward to about this one last night? Well, uh, before I get into that, I do want to, uh, as you say, uh, just give a little uh, shout out to some of the, the great NXT takeovers in the past. That uh, mm. You know, my my sort of favorite era of that is when it all first started, when we had the likes of, um, you know, Pac back then when he just started out. We had Tyler Breeze was phenomenal. Um, of course, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, uh, the... The Nighthearts uh, guy. Oh, what's his name? Uh, oh, uh, TJ Wilson. Um, Tyson yeah. Kidd. Tyson Kidd was phenomenal. That was, that was you know, great, he went, yeah. He went back there and he was just... I mean, they were pulling out some crazy stuff, especially Triple Threats. Like, I've yeah. been a big fan of Triple Threats, but watching them do it and the ladder matches they did back then. And uh, there was something... When that first come around, the NXT, just in general, 
um, you thought, hang on a minute, this is, it's quieter, it's only an hour, um, but, you know, I can really take this. This is very nice. It, it reminded me going way back um, where there just used to be studio wrestling. And uh, it was mainly bell to bell. We didn't have a whole lot of backstage promos. It was most of the stories were carried out bell to bell, week to week. And yeah, it was more sort of about the competitive edge over one another than, than anything else. And yeah, you know, you look at the roster now, I mean, I, I don't know what the percentage is, but I imagine it's quite high of people that have come through NXT to where they are now on that main roster. You know, yeah. like the Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, you know, the list goes on. Uh, of course, not all have worked out. I should point that one out as well. <laughs> Some have ended up being better with NXT than they ever uh, did on the main roster. But, and others have worked out on the main roster that you didn't expect them to. Like, exactly, uh, yeah, exactly. You know, uh, yeah, Elias, for example, and one or two yeah. others. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so some tremendous memories. And I was thinking back, you know, five years ago it was that I was in New York for the first ever sort of takeover they did in front of a, a bigger audience um, that night in the Barclays Centre. And I remember thinking then how big of a big deal it was. But here we are at the 30th one who think it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's grown. Uh, I mean, obviously, going into this, I wasn't, I didn't, you know, I never had um, the expectations that this was going to be in the Thunderdome. So I wasn't, I wasn't too worried about that because I knew that they built it for SmackDown and, uh, and SummerSlam was going to be the big kind of thing for that. I think SmackDown was more of a test for it um but yeah i didn't have those those high expectations and to be honest with you takeovers in that setting they they work for me i don't have a problem i think because it's all very they, they darken out everything anyway uh, even on a regular takeover when fans are there so um as far as an imagery for me i'm i'm never taken out of a takeover but yeah. when it comes to the main wwe side i am but I think for takeovers, I was fine. And I quite like the set out they did. They used the, uh, I'm sure they recycled the 30 from WrestleMania 30 with those big X's, which was a nice little touch. And it was nice to see Pyro. Uh, I think it's been greatly missed, uh, Pyro. I don't know why they cut back on that area when there was other areas I'm sure they could cut back on. But uh, I, it does just give it that little bit more of a big time feel. And I was exactly. quite happy to see that last night. And, yeah, as I say, the, the match, um, there was a couple of matches I was intrigued for. Probably the main event, Keith Lee. And, you know, I, I, I've been very intrigued. Of course, the whole thing with Adam Cole uh, has got a lot of outside attention, I guess. And, and yeah. that's going to be intriguing. So, uh, but overall, I was just, yeah, I was kind of massively up for this one and uh, seeing what they deliver. Yeah, and the same here, to be honest with you. And it's funny that you said you went to uh, uh, the first ever takeover Brooklyn five years ago. But was that when you had that incredible match between Bailey and Sasha Banks? Mm. Yeah, you were lucky to be there. And I was at uh, Takeover New Orleans uh, over WrestleMania 34 weekend, and that wow. was a stonker as well. Um, and I've been to a couple of UK takeovers, which have all always delivered. But uh, I, mean, I don't know if you caught the pre-show match, but they did have a pre-show match in the 30 minutes before the main show kicked off, and it was a triple threat tag match. It's billed as a number one contenders match for the NXT tag team uh, titles, which are, of course, held by Imperium at the moment, Marcel Bartel and Fabian Eichner. 
And it was a, a tag match, triple threat tag match, as I explained, between Breezango, Danny Bertinoni Lorkin, and uh, Joaquin World and Real Mendoza. Now, I can't remember, or, or, or even if I could remember, probably pronounce their uh, their faction names, so I'm it's not even going to bother. I'll just stick with uh, Wild and Mendoza. But uh, I mean, to cut a long story short, this pre-show match, um, you know, it was a fast and furious and really, really fun uh, match. Breezango managed to pull off the win, following some excellent tag team action, I thought, from all three teams. I thought it was uh, fast and furious from bell to bell when all three teams really really delivered it was tyler breeze who managed to pick up the win for his team uh, following a super kick and they placed uh, breezango as the new number one contenders to the tag team gold like say that's at imperium so whether that'll be on a future nxt on a wednesday night or maybe for the next takeover more than likely for a, a wednesday night show coming up and then we uh, kicked uh, straight into the main show then john and um Bit of a change to the commentary team. You had the familiar face of Beth Phoenix there as well. Uh, but uh, the return of Corey Graves to the NXT commentary desk. And of course, he did NXT for quite a few years before going on to Raw and then SmackDown. And uh, Vic Joseph was uh, the third member of the commentary team. He kind of uh, was the lead commentator. No Mara Ronaldo, not sure why. Um, but uh, hopefully that's not a permanent thing. We do love Mara Ronaldo on the Wrestling Jonas podcast. And then the main show kicked off and uh, quite a solid hard-hitting, exciting match to kick things off. Finn Balor, Finn Balor versus Timothy Thatcher. So just quickly on Timothy Thatcher, John, just want your opinion on him because he's had a fantastic start to his NXT career. Um, he's not traditionally the type of wrestler that would do well in an NXT or a WWE because he's he's more kind of uh, grapple-based. He hasn't really got much of an over-the-top gimmick to him. He's all about kind of the kind of submission holds and the, the ground and pounds. Um, but so he's had quite a good start to his NXT career. Before we get into the match, tell us about kind of how you think Timothy Thatcher has, has fared so far in NXT, because he's done surprisingly well in my books. He's, he's, he managed to defeat um, uh, Matt Riddle in their feud, of course, before he went off to SmackDown. Um, so they kind of played him quite strongly so far. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm not going to elude anybody. I am a huge um, Timothy Thatcher fan. I'm. I'm quite a big fan of his. Um, as you can imagine, my old school roots coming out of me there. But he's. I think for a lot of fans, he's not probably the sort of guy you go. You know, you call up to your mate upstairs. You go, come on, Thatcher matches on. You know, come and watch <laughs> it. You know, get excited about it because I think for the sort of maybe the the sort of general fan isn't probably gonna quite get what's going on but for me um i mean what's old becomes new again and uh, i like the fact that wwe have pounced on you know his strengths and that they're going to play him the very straight and down the middle way that's far and of course they've 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 really sort of gone into the whole mma background that style i certainly felt that with the um the matt riddle match that they did that they wanted to really get that over as strong as possible um, but you know what? I mean, the size of the guy, he, you know, he's, he's a big guy. He's not small. Mm. Um, and, you know, he looks the part. I just wonder, you know, this guy on the main roster maybe does well for a couple of months. I don't know where he would. It, it depends how much they put in his basket to, to where he could go. But I do think that if they played him right and kind of always used him in that gimmick all the time and they just had sort of fed him some opponents for a, a while and to his style that he could work quite effectively. So I'm a, I'm a big fan and um, yeah, I've, I've enjoyed what they've done with him thus far. And of course, you know, he, he, uh, he goes in here with a match with Finn Balor to kick things off. 
Yeah, and if all else fails with uh, Timothy Thatcher's singles career in NXT, I could always uh, put him back with his old ring camp uh, buddies, uh, Walter and Marcel Bartel and Alexander Wolfe, of course. That'll be a nice addition to the faction there. But, uh, I mean, in this match, uh, Thatcher, he went to work on Finn Balor's ribs uh, for a few for the early minutes of the matches. Uh, Balor managed to turn the tide with an inverted implant DDT and then a shotgun drop kick into the corner, but misses his first attempt at a coup de grace, landed awkwardly on his left leg, allowing Thatcher to hook in a single leg Boston Crab. Uh, the match continued for a few more minutes with both guys exchanging stiff strikes and holes with Balor managing to hit a coup de gras on a second attempt uh, and uh, a 1916 DDT for the one, two, three. So it was a good match. It was a very competitive match. Uh, both guys gave as good as they got. I think that Thatcher definitely uh, dominated the, the power game and he did have the size advantage over Balor. Uh, but a strong opener for these two and a tough win for Finn Balor. He definitely had his work cut out for him. You could tell by the end of that match that he was kind of, you know, really breathing hard and that he had a hell of a match. But it does bring a halt to Timothy Thatcher's kind of undefeated uh, run or his run in NXT. Um, but um, I'd love to see your th- your thoughts on uh, Finn Balor then, because he keeps getting put into, uh, you know, these takeover matches. We saw him in against a match with Johnny Gargano where he won that one. The last takeover, he managed to defeat uh, Damian Priest and then here against Thatcher. But Balor appears to be stuck in this kind of quagmire of mid-card matches at the moment. Uh, and when he does get that title match, he always seems to fall at the last. But uh, your thoughts on, on Finn Balor and, you know, is it going to be kind of mid-card future for Finn Balor going forward? Yeah, um, just a quick note on uh, the commentating, by the way. Marvin Nello, he was, he's been in Canada with his family. So he's not he's not, not going to be doing it, but I know that he couldn't get across and do the show. So he will be back. Um but yeah, Finn Balor, I, I, um, like he's he's come down to NXT, obviously looking to rekindle what was ever there. Maybe they're going to try and find that spark. He was a heel, of course, that sort of kicked yeah. things off. But now I'm kind of thinking like, blimey, you know, he's on NXT and now he's become in the middle of the shuffle there as well. So, um, and you know, I was quite surprised with the outcome. I, I was a little bit disappointed that that Thatcher didn't get the win, or it wasn't some sort of DQ finish to sort of protect him a little bit more uh, because in my eyes, although I'm a Finn Balor fan, I, I don't see Finn Balor like, I, I don't see the, the head of steam. I think Thatcher had some steam behind him. I would have pushed with that a little bit further because um, yeah. I don't think at this point Finn Balor isn't going to be any worse than, than what it is anyway um, because until they really find something for him to get stuck into, I don't know quite where Finn Balor goes after this. You know, Sometimes he's babyface, sometimes he's healed. That's the other thing as well. He's almost been like the perfect, you know, addition for them. A little bit like Randy Orton sometimes. Like he gets stuck in that role. You know, sometimes he's a heel, sometimes he's a face. And they chop and change. And, of course, the more times they do that, um, trust me, in the long run, you lose it altogether. So you've got to be careful with that. I did enjoy the match. I think Finn Balor, just to touch on him as a note, I... I he certainly hasn't gone down there like Charlotte did, you know, to have that rub on somebody else to give somebody. I don't think he could even do it. I don't. I don't think perhaps even if Thatcher won that they go. Oh my goodness, you know, he's beat the Finn Balor um, because at this point, I, I just don't know the Finn Balor what is is there for him. I don't know creatively what they're doing for him. I'm hoping they've got some some good stuff for him now. He's got the win and that somebody's fought ahead to sort of go for that next whatever it is, but. Uh, my guess is maybe he's, he's just going to be a yo-yo for a while, up and down, and, and we're going to yeah. see 
we're, we're needed. Um, I think the whole thing, I mean, I don't know what you think, but the, the demon character, I know everyone keeps carping on, you know, he's got to go back to the demon. Well, the problem is you can't keep coming out as the demon every week because that's just going to be too much exposure. But I think certainly when he was there before, we'd see the demon at takeovers at least. And maybe that's what they've got to try and get back to. Um, I just wonder at this point, you know, I look at NXT and I'm like, there's a lot of those kind of characters around at the moment. You know, we, we saw it in our main event. We saw it in the match just after this as well. You know, those characters, they're, they're coming in all over. Them. And I don't know if the demon just sort of adds like another dimension to that where they're like, we don't want another person at the moment playing that, that kind of role. So he's in a really difficult spot where I almost feel like he may have to try and reinvent himself in another way, you know, and get really creative. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And um, I, I think that Finn Balor, as much as he keeps winning these takeover matches, it's kind of more, you know, mid-card matches, mid-card feuds, uh, nothing too exciting, nothing really for him to get his teeth into. Um, yeah, the Demons, I'd love to see the Demon back again, but I think that needs to be in front of an audience, that needs to be in front of crowds, to be honest with you, that's where it really, really works. But when they were bringing the Demon out on uh, NXT or maybe even once or twice on the main roster, it just seemed, you know, uh, like it was just too much and uh, they, they overused the gimmicks. I'm glad that they've had quite a while between. I think the last time we saw the Demon was probably the last year's WrestleMania, um, uh, WrestleMania 37 in New York. But um, uh, yeah, uh, quick, it, sorry to cut you up. A quick question. On. I was just going to throw you in. As soon as we were talking about NXT UK, I mean, do you think that there's any? I know he wouldn't want to do it because he'd see that as a major blow, I'm sure, to his career that he's gone from main roster, main event, winning the Universal Championship, but. You know, at this point, I wonder if NXT UK, even just for a couple of months, would be the place, you know, that they could do with him. Um, you know, I'm not saying right now. Because yeah. Well, I thought that's like, the way they were heading. I, thought, I honestly thought that's the way they were heading because they were kind of teasing a match between Finn Balor and Tyler Bate, weren't they? But I also thought they were kind of teasing, it was a subtle tease that Finn Balor might be headlining the NXT UK Dublin show that was obviously postponed back in May because of COVID. Um, and I thought, although a lot of people were saying it could have been Ilya Dragunov versus Walter, I had an inkling that it could have been Finn Balor versus Walter. So that's, that would be quite an intriguing match. I think Finn Balor versus anybody from the UK brands, uh, Tyler Bate or Walter or Ilya Dragunov would be absolutely amazing. So, uh, yeah, we'll have to see. But um, I think he could be just like Cesaro did in Cardiff 12 months ago, just popped up for the odd match. Um, I think that to have Balor represent NXT on a UK takeover card would be fantastic. So, yeah, definitely intrigued by that. But interesting times for Finn Balor, for sure. Let's yep. talk about the next match then, John. So it's a five-man ladder match uh, for the vacant North American Championship. So Keith Lee obviously gave up the North American Championship uh, soon after winning the NXT gold. Uh, I bet he was wishing at the end of last night that he hadn't, but uh, it was it was a vacant match. Uh, now, what was quite interesting about this one, uh, now the first time the North American Championship was defended at TakeOver New Orleans two and a half years ago, I was at, uh, was also a ladder match. So kind of a bit of a throwback to that. The competitors in last night's match were Bronson Reed, the big Australian. Was he close to 400 pounds? He's getting a good push. Johnny Gargano, Mr. Takeover, of course. Damian Priest, Cameron Grimes. I'm a big fan of Cameron Grimes. Uh, Trevor Lee, of course. I think he's uh, done fantastic. And the returning Velveteen Dream. So, I mean, this was... 
one of those matches I was looking forward to kind of on paper, uh, probably similar to yourself. Everything, you know, off the back of the, especially off the back of the injury that Johnny Gargano sustained this past Wednesday. I know it would have been taped a week earlier, uh, but uh, when Ridge Hollands dropped Johnny Gargano on his head from that botched power slam, um, and I'm surprised even a week or two weeks removed from that injury to see Johnny Gargano looking so fresh and looking so good last night. But that was one thing I was uh, particularly interested to see about how he would be after that uh, drop on the head. Also, the takeover debuts of Bronson Reed and uh, the, the ever-entertaining Cameron Grimes. So uh, any thoughts on the participants of this match before we talk about the match itself, John? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah again, this was the sort of excitement, I guess, of the night. Um, in terms of what we were going to get. I think we always kind of assumed the ladder match, five competitors like this, you're going to get that. Um, but uh, going into this, you know, I've been uh, following uh, Damian Priest quite a bit. I've been a, a bit of a fan of his since our last takeover, you know, watching his stuff. And um, I I believe the announcers, they sort of, they did say something about, I don't know how true it is, because I know sometimes they say things, and it's not quite there, but he, he was paying some sort of homage to sort of Razor and Shawn Michaels with yeah. some of the stuff. And, you know, I, I kind of can see that as well, especially with Shawn Michaels, just sort of a, a different style of version. I know the character's very different, but you can see with his in-ring what he's trying to do there. And then he's got quite an interesting look. I'd say he's very marketable for WWE um, in the long run. He's somebody I would definitely have my eyes on. But, uh, yeah, going in, you know, again, uh, some amazing competitors in there. Gargano, as you say, he's like the guy through and through. He's been there, you know. He never seems to, uh, yeah. I, again, he's somebody I just think should stay with the NXT brand because I think he's going to build more of a legacy for himself there than he's going to do anywhere else at this time. Yeah. And uh, it was good to, you know, it was good to see. It. I, a ladder match in general, I'm always quite intrigued to see what they do with these multiple multi-man, you know, types. Of course, we've had a, we've had a lot of this this year because of the current situation. We go back to our famous money in the bank, which was bicycles <laughs> um, until they got up to the roof. But I, I think I enjoyed this one a hell of a lot more than that. And uh, yeah, it's nice <laughs> to see a more, I, I guess, you know, it's, it's, it's weird to say it, but a traditional five-man ladder match uh, in my eyes. Yeah, no, it was a ton of fun and plenty of interesting spots involving the ladders in this one, of course, including a big splash from Bronson Reed in the corner with four opponents and three ladders, followed by a gigantic four-man Tower of Doom spot. That's always good fun. Uh, the match takes an interesting turn uh, where the match goes to the outside with an impressive spinning power slam uh, from Cameron Grimes on Johnny Gargano. Always love that. It's kind of like a, a Spanish fly power slam, you could say, followed by a huge dive uh, through the ropes to the outside by Bronson Reed. Um, and then a, a ladder run sent on uh, by Damon Priest over the top rope and onto the gang on the outside. Ca uh, Candice LeRae makes an appearance, comes out to interfere, leading to uh, a spot where she gets caught on the back of Bronson Reed when he's on top of the ladder. Um, he comes flying off the ladder with Candice LeRae still on his back with a giant frog splash. Um, never seen that done before. Absolutely wow. fantastic. Down onto Johnny Gargano. Um, and I, I thought, crikey, that that's going to hurt everybody involved in that one. That was a hell of a spot. Um, that was match of the a spot of the match for me. There was another spot where, I, where Johnny Gargano hit a sunset bomb on Cameron Grimes onto a ladder set up as a bridge down below. Uh, Velveteen Dream gets tipped off of the, the big tall ladder uh, from the centre of the ring and over the top of the plexus glass surroundings uh, down through a couple of tables set up um, in kind of the, the crowd area so that was really impressive bit of a um, bit of a highlight there 
Um, but the, this amazing match, it came to an end when all the wrestlers kind of take it in turns to get their hand on the on the leather belt. Uh, but it's Damien Priest who toughed it out and got both hands on the strap to become the new North American champion. So a really fun match, a, a good match. I couldn't really fault it, to be honest with you. There wasn't any noticeable botches. I think all five wrestlers had their time to shine. Some really cool spots involved in the ladders. Some uh, innovative moments as well. Um, but uh, I really enjoyed this one. And, and kind of three matches. In. This was my match of the night, but what about yourself, John? Yeah, no. Um, what, do you know what the sort of length of time this match went? I, I don't have it in my notes, but when I was watching it, it just, I, you know, like when you stop even looking at the clock because there's so much going on, it was one of those matches. Um, so I have absolutely no idea, but it, it was like you say, everyone got their moment, everyone got their sort of spots in to do it. It was very well, as I whoever booked it, done a very good job of showcasing each person. Uh, without it being the sort of what I call the Royal Rumble spot, where yeah. you know, person comes out, they beat everyone up for a minute, and then the next, but you know, goes on. So it wasn't thankfully too much of that formula, but I enjoyed it. And um, yeah, I think at this point, you know, with, with what two matches in, I'm like, yeah, we're not going to go wrong with this takeover thus far. I think it's you know, it's very strong going into this. Like you say, there was some there was some quite risque moments in there. Um, that I hadn't really seen before, like you say, and it, you know, it did keep me on my toes a little bit. And uh, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. Felt the right winner coming out, like you say, Keith Lee. I, I never understand when they have two belts and then they they win like the main one. Why they always give up the the secondary one? I used to love the idea of like Warrior having both titles. Yeah. I don't know. There's something about it, like showcasing that you can win at all levels and defend at all levels. There's something cool about it, but they don't, um, they're not fond of doing that sort of storyline. I think they think, you know, we've got more people to, to put that on. So, you know, you've got to give it up sort of thing. But uh, I would have liked to have um, played around with that idea a little bit longer if they, if they would have. Yeah, I mean, I was rooting for Cameron Grimes, I don't mind saying. I would have liked to have seen him. I think he's got a great personality, uh, really, really good in the ring. And I think he'll get his uh, his moment in the sunshine fairly soon. But, so, yeah, I'm pleased for Damien Priest. Um, I must be honest with you, I'm not a, as big a fan of Damien Priest as you are, quite clearly. But, uh, like I say, he's somebody new, somebody fresh, um, and somebody to kind of, uh, you know, uh, build a championship round. So very, very pleased with that. Now, now this next match uh, was really, really intriguing. Adam Cole versus Pat McAfee. Now, um, it, it wasn't until kind of watching the video package back that I realised that Cole and Pat McAvee, that they've had a bit of a spiky relationship for a couple of years now. Now, uh, you know, I don't know if it was done by design or whether they just kind of realised, you know, that, that it just, uh, you know, that Pat McAfee maybe had something in for Cole in real life. Uh, but when you look back through that pe uh, that video package, they kind of mentioned Pat McAvee saying something not too kind about Adam Cole on the kind of takeover pre-show panel in, in New Orleans two and a half years ago. Um, and, you know, I I've been very impressed with the build to this match, the way they've kind of put it all together and the way they've portrayed Pat McAfee as well. Now, he's a former American football um, uh, kicker. And uh, I don't know if he's won a Super Bowl, but it sounds like I think he's, he's achieved a lot of success, um, a lot of fame and uh, money through American football. He's a bit of a talk show host and a podcast host and occasional host on the pre-show panel on their next T as well. Um, but um, I, I think he's played his part in this feud really, really well, to be honest with you. Now, I, I think that they've, they've built him up as a, a good vocal person, great behind the mic. And more recently, they've built him up as quite a physical person as well. But uh, I've really enjoyed his kind of brash heel persona. 
and his cockiness. Um, but so what's your thoughts on the way they've kind of built this feud from kind of a uh, the, the way they normally do former sports, sports personalities coming into wrestling, uh, like Lawrence Taylor and one or two others, has been a bit, you know, not that exciting. But I think the way they've built Pat McAfee has been quite a success. And um, yeah, any thoughts on the build to this one? Yeah, I, I was a little bit hit and miss with this when they when they did that um, the show where of course you know he was on his podcast and they mm. did that square up. I know I know there was a lot of fans out there going, it's real. You've got to watch this. I had loads of videos being sent to me, and I watched it first time round. I knew it was a work. You know, there was no, <laughs> there was no way for me that that was a hundred percent legit. But I think what they've done is is you know I I do think there was beef, and what they've done is just done some good business with it. Um, and you know, done it the right way. Did I believe that? No, I don't think it was sort of up there with you know Andy Kaufman and Jerry Lawler from the Letterman Show. Let's put it that way. But um, I do like the way they went around of it. Um, the one thing I'll say about uh, Pat McAfee is, is like I knew I know very little about the guy in terms of his American football history. I you know I know he does podcasts. I know he's a fan. I think you can tell he's a fan. And there's a big difference between getting a celebrity slash sports personality in that's a fan, Yeah. somebody who's not now, to come in and play a heel, especially, like normally the celebrity, the sports fan, they're always the baby face. I like the fact that they've switched that up a bit. I can't remember the last time they've done that. Uh, it might, I might have to go back to like that flipping Kevin Fedline uh, stuff they did with John Cena that time, <laughs> where he'd come out as the big bad heel and of course he Margaret squash Cena. Um, but I, I, yeah, there's not many times where the celebrity wants to come in and get booed, but this guy obviously understands the psychology of it. And uh, you could tell, yeah. but mate, I tell you what, you put him up against Gronk, I know I'm choosing. Um, Definitely. He's got a yeah. lot more, he, he's got a lot more about him than what Gronk did. You know, Gronk, you know, for, for everything, I know that he's got a following, but for me, he just comes across as like very childish, and I just can't take his enthusiasms like a. a 12 year old at times and uh, yeah. you put that up against this guy and, and I was really for it so I liked the build up I liked the fact that the package you know a couple of years worth there which makes a change it really does make a lot of change uh, my gripes only towards this at the beginning was I was thinking blimey Adam Cole he's, he was the previous NXT uh, champion you know how does this look for him you know this guy's pretty much saying he's too skinny he's too small and, you know, he's calling out things that legit people, you know, us as fans are saying, um, let alone WWE trying to protect that a little bit. So it was kind of like, blimey, you know, they're really pulling out all the stumps. Um, but, you know, I know a lot of people were harping on that. That's really bad for Adam Cole. How's he going to get out of this? But, you know, at this stage in this environment that we live in now with social media and the business being so exposed, what difference does it make really? if this guy's going to come in and just call it out, you know, um, yeah. I just think it adds to it a little bit more. And uh, yeah, going in, I didn't know what to expect. Cause like I say, I'm not, I don't know what this guy can do and what he can't do, but I was, I was very surprised. Uh, this, this was very was... entertaining. Yeah, I was very, very impressed as well. Well, like I say, one interesting dynamic, and you touched on it earlier, was uh, Adam Cole as a babyface. I don't think he's played a babyface in his entire NXT run. I think he's traditionally been a heel throughout his entire wrestling career. Really, really interesting to see the dynamic there. And I thought Pat, Pat McAvee played the perfect heel uh, to Adam Cole's babyface. But uh, very early on in this match, we have the Undisputed Era. They come down to confront Pat McAvee's kind of uh, NFL friends, NFL cronies. Uh, and then we see Pat McAvee, 
out of nowhere, do a flip dive like a senton off the top turnbuckle onto the gang of wrestlers and, and NFL guys on the outside. That was really impressive. Um, down onto the crowd of bodies and gave McAfee the upper hand. Uh, the match turned into a bit of a fist fight, leading to a series of near falls for Adam Cole, uh, with some impressive bumping from Pat McAfee. And for somebody that's not a trained wrestler, he definitely took his bumps, his back bumps, really, really well. I thought he was great. Um, there was uh, even an impressive series of moves from Pat McAfee. He gets up on the top turnbuckle, um, looking to do some sort of suplex move with Adam Cole, but gets shoved up backwards. And uh, very, very kind of cat-like he perfectly lands on his feet in the center of the ring on his feet and then just leaps from the canvas to the top turnbuckle to execute the the superplex from the top uh, turnbuckle on adam cole and gets a close near fall i thought that was tremendous i really popped for that uh mcafee he nearly had the match one with a, a punt kick uh to the chest and the head of adam cole but it was uh, adam cole who picked up the well deserved win with a, a well executed and well calculated panama sunrise it was going to go for the last shot, uh, running knee, but solid to do for uh, a Panama Sunrise. Got the one, two, three. And for, for me, this was a ton of fun. Really, really enjoyed the hell out of the match. It didn't go too long. It didn't drag in any places. I thought the dynamics between these two were off the charts. The action was hot. Pat McAfee was a complete superstar. Um, and, uh, you know, I, for one, have a, a ton of respect for Pat McAfee coming out of that match and uh, would love to see more of him. I wouldn't mind seeing a rematch, to be honest with you. I thought the two of them had great chemistry. But you put Pat McAfee in there with uh, with any anybody. I think that that could be a good match going forward. So I think he's got a bit of an NXT future, John. I was going to say that. I think if I was WWE, I'd be getting the checkbook out because I, you know, I'd let go some of these other people. Um, like your Gronk and all the rest of it. I know he's now signed for an NFL team anyway, so he's been drafted. But, um, yeah, he looks good. And you know what? You could put him against any kind of baby face that needs that rub because he's going to get heat. He's very good at it. Um, but the performance he put in last night was almost like a baby face coming out of it because you thought, I think everyone was quite shocked at what he could actually do. Um, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I do think there would have been a lot of design around it to you know, smoking mirrors, make sure we, we, we play to his strengths. But um, if you look at the pacing, you know, he didn't rush everything. He took his time where he needed. He got the heat. If there were fans there, it would have been 10 times better, I would say. You know, as good as it was, I think with fans in there, it would have been really We might be talking about this as maybe match of the night easily, with that kind of reaction that he would have got. So, um, yeah, I, 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 and especially as he's good on the mic, I, I could see, I would love to see him in some sort of authority role within NXT, sort of screwing over people and having the occasional matches here and there. I think that would work perfectly uh, because, of course, you know, he has the podcast anyway, so he can use that to uh, to build things up as well. So, yeah, the, very good, very surprised in in a good way. I wasn't expecting it to be anywhere close to what it got to last night. So I was very uh, impressed. Yeah. And the guy can go, you know, he's, he's definitely got the uh, the athletic uh, attributes to do wrestling as well. And uh, like I say, I would sign him up for NXT. I would get him on a, a, at least a short-term uh, contract right now. Absolutely, absolutely. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see a uh, kind of four and four encounter between uh, the Undisputed Era, all four members of the Undisputed Era and uh, Pat McAfee and his kind of uh, NFL cronies. I wouldn't be surprised if that's kind of a, um, a kind of a, a, an eight man tag match coming up soon. Right, but um, Good point. Yeah, so over series, you've got War Games not too far around the corner. Uh, the next match, um, the fourth match on the card, Io Shirai versus Dakota Kai for the NXT Women's Championship. Now, this was another match, I, you know, 
I, I didn't know that I wanted until I saw the video package, the hype package before the match itself. And uh, the way they kind of put these WWE and NXT video packages together are just absolutely fantastic. I don't think there's any other organization uh, that does it as well. And they, they certainly do get you excited for matches that you probably weren't excited for yeah. just from watching the weekly shows, to be honest with you. And I think that's the magic of WWE sometimes. Uh, but uh, the match barely got started when uh, EO uh, nearly put a premature end to the match by landing on her head following a handspring backflip that she did so uh that, that kind of took her out the match for for the rest of the match i think i think i kind of affected uh the match but that's certainly going to be on a, a botomania highlight somewhere sure uh, fairly soon EO was uh, favouring her left arm throughout the match. Uh, now, uh, I'm not sure whether that was uh, injured uh, because of the kind of botched handspring uh, that she did earlier on. Um, but um, there was uh, a tree of woe spots from EO coming off the top turnbuckle with a double foot stomp for a close near fall. Uh, Kota almost had the match won with a Fujiwara armbar, but EO managed to get to the bottom rope to break the hold. Uh, Kota Kai gets a close near fall from a GTS with EO putting her foot on the rope once again to break the count. There's a ref bump in the corner uh, just before EO hits her trademark moonsault and with no referee to, to hit the count, Raquel Gonzalez comes in hits a huge choke slam on uh, on EO, on the champ, Dakota Kai makes the cover, the referee comes around uh, but can only get a two count uh, there's uh, a, another moonsault from EO Shirai, this time to the outside catching Raquel Gonzalez square in the face with her boots and then she hits a second moonsault back inside the ring on Dakota Kai for the 1-2-3 and she retains her champion so this was another hard-fought match. I can't help but think that kind of uh, botch at the beginning of the match where she kind of landed on her head from that uh, uh, backflip, kind of hindered her for the rest of the match. The match didn't really get going or didn't really get started as far as I'm concerned. Uh, after the match, you had Raquel Gonzalez uh, started a bit of a beatdown on EO in the centre of the ring. And then we hear the familiar music of uh, Rhea Ripley come out to make the save. And you have a bit of a stare down between uh, Rhea Ripley and Gonzalez. Looks like there's a bit of a feud being set between those two for the future. Uh, so EO, EO did manage to retain her championship. But in my opinion, it was uh, a less than impressive title defence. But uh, what about yourself, John? Yeah, I, uh, I like you. I wasn't. I think sort of wasn't going that all out of my way to watch. I thought this match actually would have been on a lot earlier. Uh, so I sort of forgot that this was happening until the video package came on and they were talking about it. And um, yeah, I mean, she's such a huge star, um, Shirari. You know, you forget that in Japan, you know, for those people that don't know, she is a mega star. I mean, it's debatable. She's up there. Her and Oscar, uh, who who's the more bigger? But trust me, she's massive uh, in terms of when Japanese women's wrestling was just getting that massive, vibrant uh, boom period there. Um, and people that uh, have followed her for a long time tell me that she, you know, some people rate her as the best of the best. And um, it's good that WWE kind of, at least in NXT, know how to, you know, work the character. I'm glad they haven't gone too crazy, like, generic Japanese type stuff that they do sometimes, which just deflates the character. But um, yeah, great match again. Uh, like I say, a little bit scary at the beginning. Um, that could have been terrible, but uh, thankfully uh, she's all good. Um, and yeah, I enjoyed this. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm interested to see where I go next uh, with her and, and the title and, uh, you know, obviously with the storylines and stuff and, you know, where that next big match is, because I think she needs she needs another big match again to really 
give her name even more credibility down there. And, uh, you know, I, I certainly think uh, not rushing at this moment is the uh, the perfect storm for her. I think she's got a... I still think she's kind of getting used to the WWE formula, the way they do wrestling uh, in in the US. And uh, But, you know, she, she's doing tremendously well and uh, just hopefully... Fingers crossed, WWE you know, keep that consistent level with her because um, you know they 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 could they've really got a star on their hands. But as we as we know ourselves, John, we know sometimes where that can lead. So you know, I don't want to speak too soon. Yeah, and it's interesting to think. I mean, there's nobody that really kind of jumps out as a natural number one contender mm-hmm. uh, following this match. I mean, I I even thought that putting Dakota Kai in there was a little bit of a you know, a little bit of a stretch, to be honest with you, as much as I've uh, liked Dakota's work and got a lot of respect for her, she doesn't really jump out and scream as a kind of an NXT champion. But I thought she put in a, a really good effort here and the feud was quite good for what it was. They might do a rematch between these two, but like I said, it's nobody that's really jumping out. There. I mean, the only other NXT female that seems to be featured quite heavily is Candice LeRae. Now, she's a heel, so she could be kind of set up as another challenger for EO fairly soon. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. It sounds like Rhea Ripley is going to be kind of, uh, preoccupied with Raquel Gonzalez so that kind of keeps her out of the picture um, so yeah we, we'll, we'll have to see what happens somewhere down the line you never know interesting times yeah. but uh, speaking of interesting times let's talk about our main event then so Keith Lee uh, was a double champion um, after the Great American Bash managed to beat Adam Cole he was already the North American champion managed to get the the, the NXT strap um, uh, a few weeks ago I think he's only been the champion for a month going up against Karrion uh, Cross. So going into the, this match, I, I have to be honest with you, I was quite conflicted. Um, you know, I'm a, a fan of these two, um, but um, I knew that one of them would have to lose. Unfortunately, there was a chance that it could be Keith Lee. So soon into his NXT championship reign, there's also a chance, of course, that it could be Karrion Cross, And he's only been with the company a few months. Uh, so, you know, let's not forget that you know, Karrion Cross has made a huge impact since making his NXT debut. Um, and uh, he's run through the line of Tommaso Ciampa, uh, Dominic Dijakovic, of course. Um, uh, so, you know, either way, by the end of this match, I'm going to be conflicted, uh, regardless of who's, who wins. But uh, any thoughts on this match going into it, that the competitors and what I've just said about kind of it being, you know, is it too soon for carrying cross? And is it, you know, Keith Lee uh, putting his title up on the line against quite a, a credible opponent so soon into his run? It was kind of, you know, you kind of win with one hand, but lose on the other. Yeah, it's interesting when you say about is it too soon. The, the issue with me with NXT still to this day is I still don't know if this is a level, you know, pegging with Raw and SmackDown or if this is still the developmental stage. Because, you know, I know at one point they said, you know, it's all the same now. It's just a different brand. But if I'm being totally honest with you, I still see it as the developmental uh, territory, uh, if you will. Um, the fact that, you know, even this Thunderdome business, I don't know if they're getting that or what, but, uh, you know, realistically, we know that NXT on a weeknight was by pure reaction to AEW, if we're being honest. So when we talk about the championship and you say, you know, is it too early? If this is a developmental place, I say it's not too early because, you know, back in the day, we did see some people come in and just get it quite early off the bat. They didn't go through sort of the mid card, if you will, or that ladder. And they did get it early. And it, it was not too much of a problem because you're thinking this is still, you know, before you get to the main part. And the only thing I'm worried about, and I am a bit of a fan of Cross, but the only thing I'm worried about is his entrance because 
it's like an amazing entrance. Everyone's talking about it. It's so in time. It's beautiful. But how many times have we seen the entrance be better on NXT than what it gets to be on the main roster? Um, and that's the big thing. I hope they haven't just gone full force with the best of the best already. Because sometimes when you're down on NXT, it's unfortunate. But you can almost like, it's probably happened to Finn Balor in a lot of ways. But you can almost do your best stuff on NXT. And by the time you get to the main roster, it's like if you're a fan that have watched him grow up, you you thinking I've already seen him achieve this moment. I've already seen him get this this part, and I've seen that reaction. So you've got to be careful sometimes. And now, of course, NXT is much more open to a bigger audience because of the TV deal. Um, I'm hoping that fans aren't going to get bored with him um, too soon because that's the problem. And I do wonder if they've almost given us too much too soon with him, uh, and yeah. whether less is more. I don't know. Time will tell. I, I think in ring, I think he's uh, he's exactly what Vince McMahon would look for. I think if you if we harp back to say Lars Sullivan, what they were probably had in store with him, I think that would have been Vince's sort of dream as well. But I think this guy's his new project with Triple H. I think Triple H is you know probably the guy that's going to protect him as much as he can at the moment. But I bet you Vince has penciled him in somewhere. Uh, because the way they built him up, uh, it's very old school booking. They've done this long term. You can tell because of who he's beat. They haven't, you know, just had him win, lose, win, lose at 50-50. So, you know, they definitely penciled this in. I do feel for poor old Keith Lee because, you know, he's a guy at the start of the year, you know, which seems ages ago now, John, if I'm honest. That's oh, wrong. it does. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was in there, of course, he squared off with Brock Lesnar. And at that point, I thought I, I saw money, you know, it was almost on the screen. The dollar signs just just coming out at us, waving at us, thinking, blimey, this guy, uh, they're going to make you know a lot of money from someone like Keith Lee. Um, I, I'm hoping that maybe this is a, a, a door opening for Keith Lee, maybe to get the title off him now and put him on the main roster. But. Um, it's just unfortunate it was Keith Lee that had to, to do the honours at this stage because it was a bit soon, uh, a little bit immediate. But there is part of me that thinks maybe Keith Lee is going to go on. Maybe they'll do a one more return match, but I, I do suspect that he's, his calling is, is upon us. But uh, I enjoyed this match. Uh, yeah. I don't know about you. but Well, I, I, I did too. I, I, you know, I, I thought it was a good match. It was yeah. slow in places, but I think it needed to be slow in places. And I think, you know, to tell a good story, you, you've got to have kind of different uh, chapters, like a chapter of a book. But, uh, you know, th- th- there were spots where it, it was it was slow. There was uh, quite a fast-paced uh, spots as well. But, uh, I mean, the story of the match was essentially, I think, early on in the match, uh, carrying Cross through Keith Lee into the yeah. plexi glass around his injured his arm and then carrying cross spent the majority of the rest of the match uh kind of trying to uh wear down keith lee with his arm with his injured left arm with keith lee uh carrying cross nearly won the match with his uh, sato side suplex uh, which would normally put away any of his opponents but on this occasion it didn't uh, he hooked in the, the cross jacket submission but keith lee was able to fight his way out of it uh lee keith lee connected with a spirit bomb um and uh, there was quite a convincing kick out there from carrying cross on two instead of it being a close near fall near the three he kicked out clearly on two uh, the match comes to an end when uh, uh keith lee's going up to the second turbuckle to do his kind of trademark moonsault off the second turbuckle he's caught by carrying cross uh cross was able to kind of block the 
move and then hit a second side suplex on Keith Lee uh, from the second turnbuckle and uh, scored the one, two, three. So uh, quite surprising to some. I'm sure we have a new NXT champion. And uh, as I said, you know, slightly con- conflicted. I'm really, really pleased for, for Karen Cross and then Scarlett, of course. Disappointed for Keith Lee. Uh, like I say, he only had the championship for a month. Um, he was he was a great double champion for all of a week until he uh, gave up and vacated the, the North American Championship. Of course, now he's he's Keith no belts. He doesn't yeah. hold any gold in NXT at all. So it makes you wonder whether he's fallen out of favour with NXT and with WWE, which I don't think is the case, um, or whether they've got bigger plans. Now, I agree with you. Maybe there's a, a return match. There has to be a return match between these two, a chance for Keith Lee to regain the championship. But I think that very, very soon, Keith Lee will be going on to either Raw or SmackDown. I think they see bigger things for him, and I think they kind of rushed that storyline along. Um, now, I think people are still getting familiar with Karrion Cross. Who is Karrion Cross? He's only been on NXT for a couple of months, and he's uh, made that quick transition uh, to uh, main event. And he's now the NXT champion. So, um, you know, all in all, I thought it was a, a good match. Wasn't the best match on the card. An interesting way to end the show. A fantastic uh, kind of. Uh, outro you could say yeah. with Karen Cross and Scarlett on the rampway there all the pyro all the lights all the fireworks going off behind them with the, the new NX champion and Scarlett at his feet so a fantastic kind of visual there um, but yeah it makes you kind of think what's next for Keith Lee now I mean you alluded to it earlier is he go, is he you know being called up to bigger brighter greener pastures um, it's going to be interesting you, there must be a reason why they made this transition so soon into his range on yeah, um, I, I think part of the problem as well with WWE and Keith Lee is that Keith Lee is a baby face. It's kind of hurt him a little bit. I, I suspect if he was a heel, he probably would have had a completely different run with both those championships. But, you know, they don't, his character, like, I've only really, he's very jokey and they, they kind of like, I, I don't want to see that big, bad, defy, that kind of big man style that we so generically seen WWE so I'm glad they've gone away from that but I do feel like they they needed to give him a little bit more um you know a little bit more freedom maybe with what he can say and get more of his personality out there a little bit like they've done with Drew Um, and if you think about it you know uh, up until last night we've got three male champions that are all you know baby faces at the moment you know WWE just they don't do well with baby face champions but for whatever reason they just can't keep them at a level sometimes. You know, people get bored. We run out of steam. You know, they, they become almost like huggable, lovable people all the time. And we need a little bit more of an edge. And I'd like to see a little bit more of that with Keith Lee, if I'm honest. Um, we saw him get fired and angry a few times in this feud, which was good, uh, especially with the flash paper, the fire thing, uh, which I thought was cool. But, you know, not enough of that, in my opinion. Um I don't know, Matt Riddle, obviously, he's gone up to the main roster. I wonder, you know, they were both a tag team at one point. I suspect maybe Raw could be Keith Lee's new home and, you know, he'll get a a little bit of a vibrant push. I think, personally, just thinking ahead here, that with this whole Thunderdome business coming along and the way Vince channeled that comment that he made, you won't see it Mm. coming or the rest of it. I I do suspect they want to go a different tone. They really, we know ratings are really not great at the moment and they're pulling out everything. And I think Keith Lee might be one of the components that they put in early on to just give some, spice it up a little bit on Raw, um, which may be a big thing for him. It may work out quite well. I, 
I personally would use Keith Lee. I know that uh, some of the news in the week, we saw Bill Goldberg has signed another three-year contract. Oh, dear me, really? For a couple of matches (laughs) a year. And I'm thinking, well, look, you've got Keith Lee in in your door. You know, he's there every week. Like, we need to start really focusing on the talent we've got. I I don't think you'd have gone back to the Attitude Era and gone, right, okay, Austin, you know, we're not going to have you this month. We're going to have, Roddy Piper coming in to, to do some matches. No, we wouldn't have done that. We would have no. stuck with the, the best of the best at the time. So um, I think WWE need to just have a little bit more faith in someone like Keith Lee. He's a big guy. You look at when he stood up with Brock Lesnar, that that um, altercation they had, it was fantastic. I really thought there was money in that. More money in that than, well, say, Bobby Lashley. And- I'm going to jump in there. I'm going to jump in there because I honestly think that Brock Lesnar is, is due a return fairly soon, especially now they've got the Thunderdome set in. And yeah. uh, I think you, Brock Lesnar has a pretty decent say in who he goes up against, who he fused with. And uh, I think after that kind of face-off and confrontation that um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if over the next couple of weeks, maybe, next month or so we see Brock Lesnar return and Keith Lee standing in front of him and that would be awesome that would yeah. be awesome yeah yeah perfect combination and uh, you know it, it was amazing but when Keith Lee was stood up against Brock Lesnar you thought hang on a minute like this guy is big I mean really big even perhaps it, you know just as a visual standpoint you'd say you know against Bobby Lashley even he's you know he's humongous and the things he can do um it's kind of what Brock could do back in his heyday. You know, he was jumping off them, of course, in OBW doing shooting stars. Keith <laughs> Lee is more than capable of doing this kind of crazy stuff for a guy's size. Um, but to look at Keith Lee, you think, how can this guy move as quick as he does? But he is. And I, I think he, I think Brock likes that. I think he likes yes. the competition. He likes a little bit of uh, see what you can do against me type of thing. I think there's a bit of a competitive edge. and uh, It's brand new for Brock as well. It's brand new. It's fresh for Brock. And I think yeah. he'd be well up for that. I wouldn't be surprised. Sooner or later, we'll see uh, those two. So a couple of questions for you, John, before we go. Um, uh, who's next for Karrion Cross then? I mean, we spoke earlier about Finn Ballet. He's now clearly a babyface. Adam Cole's now a babyface. You know, is there a, a strong babyface contender out there that could be the next takeover opponent for Karrion Cross? Well, I, I suspect it could be Finn Balor after that win last night because I wasn't, I definitely wasn't expecting it. Um, and if that is the case, he'll probably be fed um, to cross, I would say. And we can probably say hand on heart that Finn Balor might not be ever getting back to that that great stage we thought. If he, if that's the case, because it's almost like a, a transitional opponent for a little while um, until they get someone they, they you know they they can make some serious dough with, but. Um, yeah, he's out there. I think Adam Cole, I can still see him having a return match after the sort of the, the amazing reaction that match has got last night. I suspect yeah. that McAvee will be doing some more stuff with him and maybe they uh, they give Adam Cole some fresh stuff as a baby face and, you know, build him a little bit more towards, you know, maybe the back end of October or whenever the next takeover is going to be and uh, go with that one. But I think Finn Balor at the moment, you'd probably say is the person that will be there but I, I mean he says I won't say too many good things about poor old Finn Balor I've got to say one thing I will add uh, John I don't know what the odds were last night but I, I, the stuff I was seeing in the week like nobody expected a new champion from what I uh, read into it uh, I think most people expected Keith Lee to retain so uh, maybe a little bit of a shocking result as well at the end of last night mm. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I personally wasn't that surprised because mm-hmm. I think that uh, they've been building carrying cross up to be such a, a dominant heel and like I say that the the overall presentation the overall package with the entrance and with Scarlet and uh, he's been very very dominant I'm not surprised at all but uh, yeah interesting times so and what what was your match of the night buddy what was your match of the night oh it's a hard one I, it's really between uh, Pat McAfee and and uh, the, the ladder I, I think I'm gonna go you know I'm gonna go with Adam Cole and Pat McAfee I, purely because I think this gets the nudge because I just had zero expectations i was thinking gronk all over again here we go you know and especially when he come out i was like he's a tire it's a bit what is this guy he's coming out in like a, a best type tank top and i was kind of really worried that we were going to get like some sort of pink rose type stuff going on with this but uh, yeah when you saw him coming out with that i think it surprised me for the better and to see adam cole work as a baby face was quite nice as well um, and to see where they go. So there were a couple of nice surprises in that. Very entertaining, I would say. So, you know, for me, it makes a change because I'm normally always about the wrestling, but I think the entertainment won me over a little bit. Yeah, and like I say, a, a very close call between that and the ladder match, but I'm going to go with the Pat McAfee and uh, Adam Cole match. Also, is my favourite match of the night. So, uh, John, uh, brilliant to have you on the Wrestling Majolis podcast again to cover uh, TakeOver 30. Uh, any plugs you want to throw out there, anywhere we can find you or Powered for on social media, um, and just anything you want to throw out there, really? Yeah, so you can. I'm very active on Instagram. You can get me at John underscore Scott underscore four. Um, and uh, you can uh, definitely see all the stuff, all the news, uh, any breaking news I've got for the Powered 4, you'll get it there first. Um, and of course, you know, just to let everybody know that come September, um, we haven't got an official date yet, but it will be available in September, probably around the mid. Um, you will be able to go on to the video on demand site. You'll be able to have a, a nose around and, uh, you know, sign up to what should be an amazing, um, you know, platform for a lot of uk wrestling obviously touch wood behind me here i want to say that we're going to get some events coming around very soon in the uk i know uh, there's a lot been announced but you know every day changes with the whole covid situation you know we have to remember that so plans change as they say so we have to be a little bit wary of it but um there's a lot of exciting stuff also i hope to be able to announce um, even more content coming we're uh, we're we're in talks of a few Australian promotions uh, at the moment, um, a, a Japanese promotion and a couple across uh, uh, to our US friends as well. So that'll be really good. And we've got a wonderful, um, and I do say wonderful for anybody that is a bit of an, uh, an old school fan of the 90s, uh, uh, late 80s in this country, places like Germany, Austria. The, some of this footage hasn't been seen for a good couple of decades um, of some of these wrestlers coming across from America doing these wonderful tours. People like Warrior in there. We've got Regal, of course, uh, Earthquake, uh, um, Animal and uh, Hulk from the Road Warriors. I mean, there's some real crazy names in there, but it's it's real gold for, for purist fans that love that kind of stuff, especially some of the, the Japanese wrestlers that were on there as well. Uh, Fujinami is featured quite heavily, Dynamite Kid. Um, so if you're a fan of that stuff, honestly, there's about over 300 matches um that we, we're going to have available so i'm really excited to get into that and of course we've got the one pw library as well which is a very niche thing I'm sure people remember that in around the 2000s the early 2000s that was a big thing there's some crazy matches there your likes of aj styles and uh, well, a lot of these people are now of course like cm punk they're on the main roster you had the Abyss, 
back then, Jeff Jarrett, Harry Smith, a real variety of talent. So if you're into just, you know, older stuff as well, we've got that, uh, which is a, a nice change up as well. And of course, with all the media stuff, uh, should hopefully be very exciting. And of course, uh, working with you, John, on the YouTube stuff, we're going to have some couple of exciting shows there to get our uh, teeth into as well. So hopefully everything uh, is going to be uh, going forward as planned. But like I say, I, I just personally, I just want to get back to a, a wrestling show. I know it sounds a bit selfish, but I would love to just get back there. Um, even if it's just at lower capacity at the moment, I think that's better than anything. Uh, before I go though, John, uh, obviously with SummerSlam uh, tonight, are you, uh, you going to be are you big for this? What was your, I just want to get your take on that first reaction of the Thunderdome when you saw it on SmackDown. Uh, I know you saw that the other day. What yeah, was your reaction to that? I, it was I kind was, of sci-fi. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was uh, quite impressed by it. I think it looks fantastic. Um, as for all the kind of the faces in the crowd, I mean, I was messaging you and I was saying that, you know, I'd like it if their fans were a little bit more animated. They just look like a, a bunch of geeks watching wrestling in front of their computer instead of being a bit more interactive, a little bit more, I don't know, waving your hands and kind of enjoying it or, uh, you know, dancing in the background. I would have been a bit more animated anyway. I probably would have got thrown off the show if I was uh, one of them. Uh, but um, I thought I thought it was good. And I think it adds a nice uh, element to the show. And I think that the wrestlers will kind of feed off of that as well and kind of enjoy themselves instead of playing to nobody or maybe some uh, NXT developmental wrestlers behind a plexiglass window. It does add a, a bit more of an atmosphere. You've got all the lights, you've got the pyro, you've got the lasers. I think it's a, a big thumbs up for me. I think it's a massive plus uh, for what WWE are trying to achieve. And uh, I think it's going to look great for SummerSlam tonight. Uh, as for SummerSlam itself, i got to be honest with you, I'm not looking forward to it. There isn't really a match that jumps out, if I'm honest with you. Um, I, I could probably only remember two or three matches that are on the card. If I was to say hand on heart, the only match I'm really intrigued by is Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton. I've got a sinking feeling that uh, Randy Orton could pick up the championship just to kind of switch things up a little bit. You know how they like to swerve us uh, with po hopefully a view to making Drew a two-time champion when there's uh, fans in attendance. But it's a show I'm not really looking forward to. Um, so uh, I, I, we'll watch it. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, Takeover always takes precedent for me, um, and it's always the show that I look forward to. That that's my WrestleMania over WrestleMania weekend is the Takeover show, uh, not necessarily the big show that follows because uh, we know that it's always a, uh, a distant second place to the Takeovers. So I'm, I'm so glad that we could cover it together. Uh, Takeover 30 today, John. Yeah, yeah, it's been good. Uh, and and my reaction to the fun, I mean, it was like something out of a sci-fi film, uh, like yes. Funny Man. Um, kind of like the scene from The Dark Knight where uh, Morgan Freeman is standing up there with all those screens around him. Um, one thing I will say, John, I can imagine, uh, I don't know if it's Kevin Dunn and he's probably got an army of security that are just watching every single feed video <laughs> just in case something happens. And you know, yeah. you know there are fans out there that would love to do that as well. So I, I can imagine somebody's got that their finger on the button right there to, to do that, just reading on, on some of the guidelines as well. Uh, I don't think you'll see too many AEW signs that will go in there. And, and well, I think there, there, there were fans that were uh, kind of uh, had their, their images on the screens. There was one or two that were asleep. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, you want a bit more animation than that, don't you? You want a bit more. But, um, yeah, oh, crikey. 
so yeah, there we go. But uh, John, it's been brilliant. You have yeah, yeah, the rest of John's podcast once again, and uh, we'll catch up with you and all of your powered four stuff fairly, fairly soon. Looking forward to that. Um, as for me, don't forget to check out my merchandise on ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash Wrestling with Johnners, and don't forget to check out episode 150, my exclusive interview with Ring of Honor star Dak Draper. It really, really is a, a fun listen and a fun watch. And catch the YouTube uh, version if you can. Lots of added extras uh, thrown in there. But uh, uh, from John Scott and John Scott, uh, thanks a lot. We'll catch up with you all again soon.